Okay, welcome to Halfway There. This is Eric Nevins, and Halfway There is a show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. And I'm excited to bring this one to you. This is, uh, have with me a guest. She is a mom. She's a former missionary, and I got a feeling we're going to talk a lot about that. And uh, she's an author, and so I can't wait to hear a little bit about her story today. Welcome, Ellen Rosenberger, to Halfway There. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. It's it's fun. We've been talking about doing this for a while. I'm glad we've we've got it going, and I can't wait to hear a little bit about your story. Yeah, thanks so much. Let's, um, so I'm, I gave just kind of a brief overview of, of who you are, kind of big titles. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where God has you now, and then we'll go back and dig through your story. Sure. Well, I actually have spent more time in my life living overseas than I have been living in the United States. Um, When I was four years old, my family moved to Bolivia in South America, and that's where I spent all of my growing up years. My parents were missionaries there, and um, so I was there since, you know, four years of age till I graduated from high school. Um, and then after college, uh, about a year after college, I, you know, I had come back to the States for college, but, um, I went to Nicaragua, uh, and didn't know anyone there and, um, was a missionary teacher and that's where I met my husband and we ended up spending uh, close to 12 years there. Um, and then just recently moved here to Denver, uh, about a year and a half ago. So, um, yeah, I would say you know, my life has been characterized by change and by, uh, you know, living in different cultures. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of a, the, probably the biggest, you know, characteristic of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting that you've lived more of your life outside the United States than in, um, (laughs) what, what is weird about living in the United States that the rest of us can't see? Oh man, there's, there's a lot of different things. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't think of something specific, I guess, because um, there's a lot of them. Um, but, you know, just like little things, I think, you know, tile floors overseas, usually, at least where I lived, as opposed to like carpet here, um, or, um, you know, just walking in a store and everything's clean and organized and you can find things and um you know, you can usually find cheap things here as opposed to um, many places overseas. Um, yeah, um, there's a lot. There's a lot of little little things, and then big things too. Just um, differences of values, right? Time um, is a huge one. Sure. Um, just like you know, time here just moves at a quicker pace, um, and just kind of getting used to that as opposed to time over there is like, you know the value of people and community and family is a little bit higher. So, you know, you can stop and have a 15, 20 minute conversation or longer and it's okay. You know? So. Yeah. And you're not just late for something. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause if you show up on time, you're, you know, you're early and <laughs> it's probably not starting yet. So. Yeah. Well, my wife will tell you that, uh, I've tried to implement that in our family. She doesn't buy it. She does not want to be late. So. <laughs> it's Okay. I'm, uh, I'm always a little, little that way. <laughs> um, yeah. Great. Well, so that's a little bit 
of the sketch. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your, so you, you grew up as a missionary kid mm-hmm. um, in Bolivia. So tell us how did, how what was that experience like? And then I'm especially curious how you came to Christ personally. The first part of that question, how, you know, how the experience was for me, you know, I feel like lots of missionary kids or MKs have varying um, degrees of experiences. Mine was positive overall. Um, I felt like, you know, we had lots of fun adventures and um, definitely loved um, learning Spanish and growing up speaking Spanish um, and just being exposed to a different culture. Um, you know, I, I really actually, I loved it. Um, I enjoyed my time um, in a different culture. Um, and I know, that, you know, there are other people that have different experiences, um, harder ones maybe. Um, but for me, it was pretty positive. Um, was and that, as far as... I'm sorry, uh-huh. was that because of where you were? Or was that because of your family or the community you had around you? Yeah, you know, it might have been a combination. Um, we, you know, had a pretty close-knit group of, like, in our missionary community. Um, we called all the other families, um, aunts and uncles, you know, and, um, and I think also my parents were pretty intentional about, you know, getting us exposed to the, the country we were living in, but also keeping us connected with our family back in the States, you know, cousins and grandparents and just really wanting to have a balanced experience. Um, and, you know, I also had great mentors in high school, people that really poured into my life, um, in positive ways and, you know, discipling me and which in turn gave me that excitement and passion for doing that, you know, investing in the generation behind me once I was out of college and wanting to go to a, you know, missionary kid school and, and give back that way. So, um, yeah, so that, I think those were all, all factors, um, and also, too, I'll mention this. This isn't necessarily um, the trend anymore, but a lot of times, you know, missionary kids would have to go to boarding schools. And, um, you know, those are difficult sometimes. I, I know many that have had great experiences, but I know many that have had difficult experiences. And I'm thankful that I was able to stay home with my family. Um, and, and I think that had, you know, something to do with that, too, that I didn't feel you know, completely disconnected from my parents and their ministry and that they were choosing their ministry over raising us. Right. Yeah. That would add a whole nother layer of complexity to to the experience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So then the other part of your question, like how did I come to Christ? You know, I did at a very young age, I'd say it might've, I think I was even three or three and a half. It was like right before we went to Bolivia and, um, you know, I, I remember the time very clearly, uh, the day I, I went in and asked my mom to, um, if she'd pray with me. Uh, it was actually, she, she wrote down the date. It was March 1st. So just a few days ago, oh, cool. you know, I think I could track how many years it was, but, um, you know, so very childlike faith, um, all the, you know, Awana Bible verses and things I'd, heard in Sunday school and just wanting to respond to that. And I did. Um, but you know, as we'll probably unpack my story a little bit, I don't know that I had a very, you know, strong, deep understanding of what Jesus actually did for me until later on in life. So that's where my faith journey began, I guess. 
Um, but definitely my relationship with Christ has become even more real in recent years. Yeah, of course. Well, that makes perfect sense given, given your family and, and their work. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly a common story and it's, it's a great one. It's a good one to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so tell us how then did your faith become your own? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I love that, you know, your, your podcast is all about this journey, this Christian journey. I love that, um, you know, it doesn't happen the same way for each person. And for me, you know, I think it was a series of different circumstances in my life, different, um, highs and lows. Um, you know, so I, I could look back at, definitely, I mentioned this in high school, like being discipled, um, Mm -hmm. college, some, you know, relationship um, struggles and how you learn through those and um, really growing in my faith there too. Cause I, I went to a Bible school and um, just really um, just took that all in and, and loved that time of my life. Um, you know, and then probably one of my, you know, probably most bottom of the pit experiences happened um, after college Um, I had just gone to Nicaragua as a missionary teacher there and had been there a year, a year and a half or so. And, um, you know, I was 25 years old and had never, ever um, experienced any kind of um, depression at all in my life. Um, And really in growing up in sort of this missionary culture and um, Christianity, it wasn't really talked about much like you know, depression or what you do to handle it either. So it kind of took me by surprise and, um, didn't really know how to handle it. And, um, you know, really at that breaking point, um, where it's like, I felt so distanced from God. Um, that was like, yeah, my darkest hour. And yet knowing that he was right there, um, with me, I remember one night, um, I just called up my friend Mary um, and just said, like, in tears, I need to know that God loves me. Um, And that was, like, my, you know, darkest moment. And from there, you know, she came immediately over and we prayed. And um, But it wasn't, like, let's stop there. Like, she, you know, helped me get the help, physical, the help that I needed. Um, And I didn't really realize that, you know, it's not just this pray it away and you'll get better from depression kind of thing. Like God has made us these whole people and, um, you know, we need, um, nutrition and we need to get exercise and we need all these things to get, keep our bodies, you know, running well. And, um, so anyway, I, yeah, I think, you know, I can pinpoint that time in my life as a, excuse me, a time where God just really, um, show me his presence that he doesn't leave me even in the hardest, darkest hours of feeling, you know, really abandoned. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I could go into more stories too of later on then, um, you know, after having victory over that time of depression in my life, then after, you know, experiencing some postpartum depression and, mm-hmm. um, how that really shook my faith again in different ways and kind of unveiled other things, that, um, you know, just revealed, I guess, that my faith wasn't really standing on the 
the work of the cross that Jesus had covered all my sin, including, you know, this sort of self-righteousness that I had been living in um, for years. So anyway, that kind of tells you a lot, a lot yeah, of different yeah. pieces all at once. <laughs> That's good. That's okay. So I'm wondering, and we're going to, we're going to just, I'm going to go through this one piece at a time. So I want to sure. know um, about the people who invested in you. Cause you, it sounded like they were really important to you. Yeah. How, um, how did they do that? And can you like, do you have any stories about moments when those people were investing in you and that really shaped who you are? Yeah, I think um, I can remember like specific, you know, times when, you know, I would, um, there's one, one gal that had come down um, to teach at our Christian school. She'd come down for a year only, but then she decided to stay a second year. And that to me was huge. Like, you know, a missionary kid's life is full of change, people coming, people going all the time. And, you know, I, I formed a relationship with this teacher. She was a first grade teacher. So I came and and I think I was a junior in high school and I volunteered in her classroom and I just, that just grabbed my heart for a love for teaching. Um, But not only that, like she just consistently would reach out to me and, and spend time with me. It didn't matter what it was like going on a walk or hanging out. Um, There was another teacher as well who was, you know, kind of different story. She had been there a long time and continued to pour into students, um, just having us over for a sleepover, the girls or like Bible studies. Just, I think that would be the biggest thing is that they took time and, Mm -hmm. and demonstrated that Jesus is relationship by them, you know, offering relationship. Like he, he does stuff with us. He's with us. He's always present, you know? And so, um, I think that those were huge. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that's so important. Those, those moments when people will invest in you with time. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So it was in high school or so. So you ended up going to Moody for college. Yeah. What What did you study there? Uh, TESOL, t- teaching English to speakers of other languages. And yeah. And did you do that as a, with the idea that you were going to go back? Um, yeah, so that was my thought was like, I just felt like God was, um, drawing me overseas again. And, and that could be a vehicle to, you know, to have relationships, to, um, just, yeah, be part of ministry. And so that's actually what I did the first two years I was in Nicaragua. I taught ESL at the, at the Christian school we were at. Um, later on, I ended up teaching preschool, but incorporated a lot of what I, had um, been trained in or learned um, in that setting because most of my students in my classroom were um, Nicaraguan kids. And so they were coming in with, you know, Spanish as their first language and English was their second. So basically, you know, teaching a class of, you know, all these little ESL learners (laughs) at that point. So, Gotcha. I see. Okay. So that's the connection to teaching. Because you're you're a teacher, mm-hmm. so that's where that that mm-hmm. came from. Learning with the other teacher, yeah, just just seeing, just yeah, how she ran her classroom and just her love for it, and just getting that experience. Just to, you know, she would allow me to run her like circle time in the morning. You know, 
doing the calendar and like reading the books and things like that. I just love, I just fell in love with that, with the education world, I guess. And, and, and students and like kids. <laughs> so. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to fill in those, those blanks there. Sure. Um, so, so then after college, so you, you told us, you told us a story, but I'm curious. You so you go back to Nicaragua uh-huh. And this is where kind of depression hit you. Yeah. Was that was that out of the blue? Was it like what what do you think were some of the like why why did that happen? Yeah, triggers, right? Yeah. Um yeah, so I mean, I was what, 24 when I moved to Nicaragua. I didn't know a soul. Um but quickly did make very good friends, lifelong friends actually. Um, found a great community. Um, and yet, you know, I'm a 24 year old. I, I think very immature in not only still my faith, but also just, um, even my own self-concept and who I was and making my own choices. Um, I think that kind of reflects back to sort of a life that I had lived of, people pleasing and mm. you know there's a certain level i think of pressure on you know pastors kids missionary kids to be a certain way and you know act a certain way and so um i think you know i think a lot of that compounded for me when i was you know started to get into some you know relationship drama with a certain someone who is now my husband <laughs> and, okay um, you know, in, in such a small setting, a Christian setting, there's only a certain number of single available guys to go around for all the ladies. And, you know, just a lot of like, you know, everyone knows everyone's business basically. And so, uh-huh. um, you know, I think I really, it sounds so silly, but I, I became anxious to the point of getting sick because of what everyone thought of me and him and our relationship and what my parents think still, even though I'm, you know, out of the house or whatever. And, um, you know, I just really, I, yeah, I mean, it was like a snowball really, because once I was just worrying myself sick, I would stop eating. And then I, you know, dropped how many pounds and didn't have an appetite. Then I wasn't sleeping and, you know, all these things. And, and then it was affecting like, my, you know, well, I'm supposed to be this good Christian girl, you know, example to my students even. And here I am, like, how can I be teaching when, you know, my brain can't even function, you know? Yeah. So it's just all that compounded, I think. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So there was a lot yeah. of, um, a lot of expectations that you felt may or may not have been mm-hmm. there. Maybe they were, but, right. uh, but you felt them anyway. And that, and that can that can be really debilitating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think, you know, looking back to it's like it's like what is our self-worth based on? Is it what other people think or you know, I think that that time of depression really revealed, you know, a lot in like how weak <clears throat> my own like self-concept, you know, self-worth was because if it was all like stacked up on what people think of me then you know that's where I fell really hard you know and so I'm so thankful that through that I've and through counseling and different things have learned to you know 
um, believe who I am in Christ and act on that and not, you know, have to be a slave, you know, any longer to other, other people's, you know, expectations, whether perceived or real, you know? Yeah. So how did that affect your view of God? So it obviously affected your view of yourself. Mm -hmm. How did it affect the way that you saw and experienced God? Yeah, great question. Um, Yeah, definitely. I think it influences that a ton. Because I think, you know, that basically kind of transferred all onto even, yeah, my experienced my relationship with, with God in the sense of like, you know, if I fail at any point, you know, he's so disappointed with me or, you know, done with me, you're going to leave me or like, and then on the flip side, if I'm doing well in my own standards, right. Of, you know, this sort of self-righteousness, well, I can sort of, you know, please, please God. And, kind of earn that salvation and that, um, you know, that, that respect. All right. Well, take us through this. So then you, you'd met your husband mm-hmm. and did you guys, you got married? We got married, uh, in 2008. So, okay. um, he, let's see, I moved to Nicaragua. He had moved to Nicaragua in 2004 and I moved in 2005. So, you know, I, alluded to that sort of dating drama or whatever. And, you know, praise God was able to, um, come out of that depression stronger in my faith and, and, you know, in my understanding of myself and, and even, you know, our relationship, Luke and I. And, um, so yeah, so we got married in 2008. Uh, so we're coming up, uh, December of this year. It'll be 10 years that we've been married. Yeah. It's a good milestone. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so you get married, and then you guys served together for a while down there yeah. and had some kids. And... Yeah, we did. It, <laughs> it's so interesting. You know, when he first moved there, he, he went right after college as well. And I don't know if you if this was true for you, but I feel like right after college, like all I could think of was maybe a year at a time. It was hard for me to think of more than a few years mm-hmm. at a time. And so... Same for him, you know, they were asking him to make a two-year commitment and he was like, I don't know, but, but he did. And what's cool is that he was there that second year and then we got to meet. So, um, anyway, you know, <laughs> then we sort of, yeah, cool. And, uh, so what we did was we just kind of kept praying God, you know, just each kind of year, um, how much longer and then <laughs> ended up being, you know, like I said, give or take, um, cause we took a furlough year in there, but almost 12 years. Um, and yeah, so it was just, um, pretty cool to once we were, you know, um, married to, um, work and minister alongside each other. He, um, basically along with teaching at our, the Christian school we were at there, he also, um, began in um, a youth program there with the school and in partnership with the international church there. And so, yeah, lots of years of um, like excitement and fruit in ministry and also difficult times too. Right. But, mm-hmm. but good to be in it together. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, okay, so I want to ask you because uh, mm-hmm. we've we've, we've kind of already talked about um, you know a difficult time, a time when when God felt far away, and you had that mm-hmm. great quote, uh, "I just need to know God loves me." That was mm-hmm. that was amazing, um, and it's such an important question, you know. Yeah, uh, but I also know that given all of your experience as a missionary kid and as a missionary yourself that you really care about missionaries and yeah and have you've written some some books to kind of minister to them um i want to start out you know at the at the kind of local church level like what is it that you think churches should know about the experience that missionaries have oh i love that question because <laughs> i think that's the question that we actually need to be asking. Um, and I think it starts with that. Um, and, and I almost think like that's, you know, that could be one of the root problems that, of you know, the breakdown maybe between, um, local churches and agencies and missionaries that are on the field is, um, sort of that disconnect of like, what is the missionary experience like? And, do you care? You know? So, um, and I think that's, you know, that's where my heart is, um, for missionaries. Cause I've been in that world and I lived in that world. And, um, you know, I think there's a great tendency of, you know, our North American culture to sort of, um, you know, elevate uh, missionaries as these, super Christians or people that, um, you know, uh, are on the front lines of ministry. And, you know, I've heard this often where it's like, oh, I can never do what you do, (laughs) you know? And while it's kind of like, I appreciate the sentiment, but at the same time, it kind of like makes you feel like put on a pedestal when really I'm just a normal Christian like you who you know, has similar struggles, yet I'm in a different part of the world and God called me there for that time, you know. So I think that's, you know, that's a great way to start is even just asking that question, like how, you know, how can the local church, you know, even understand or start to care about um, the um sort of what it's like to live overseas. I shouldn't, that sounds kind of harsh to say, start to care. Because there are many people that do. Um, But I think, you know, that can kind of um, be something that I think missionaries struggle with is, you know, um, having people sort of like know what it's really like and want to enter into that um, and give them the freedom to be honest. Like, hey, I'm really struggling. You know, can I say that I'm, you know, I've struggled with depression? Can I say... You know, I'm, I'm feeling really close to burnout here, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Okay. I love that because one of the, you know, one of the ambitions of, of what we do here is to say that there are ordinary parts of the journey. And so like something that you went through, um, you know, that experience of going through depression and, and just, you know, coming out on the other side, more secure in who God believes you to be right. And who, who mm-hmm. you are in him is the way we grow, right? Yeah, we, don't, we don't grow yeah. if we don't have these kinds of experiences. 
And so why would we expect missionaries or pastors for that matter to be, right. you know, to not go through these things? Cause really what we're saying then is that we expect them not to be growing. Right. Yeah. Or expect them to be perfect. Right. People yeah. that don't struggle, people that aren't real. Yeah. Right. Right. And if, mm-hmm. if Paul can say, you know, not that I've already attained it. Right. Yeah. So, so are our pastors and That's missionaries. Right. Yeah. 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 I like that. Okay. So that's great. So we definitely, you know, just being aware that it's difficult and, you know, I, I think the hard part and what I heard from you is, you know, you, you said it at least once that, Hey, I went to a country where I didn't know anybody. Right. I was all mm-hmm. alone. Didn't know a soul. And yeah. that, you know, that isolation can even be a factor in, you know, yeah. in, in depression and struggle totally. and loneliness. Yep. Yeah. Um, is it different today because we have more technology that people can connect? I think so. I think so. You know, we're so blessed to be able to do Skype calls and, you know, FaceTime even or different things. I think that does help um, for sure. Um, but I think too, you know, you just, any, you know, technology still has some shortcomings but I do believe, yeah, like as opposed to years ago where you had to write letters and wait weeks for them to arrive. And I mean, my family, we grew up doing, you know, ham operator, you know, oh, phone cool. patches. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely that, that helps a lot, I think. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because it used to be, I mean, if you go even further back, it was like, hey, I'm going to China or someplace and oh, right. may, may or not may or may not see you again, you know? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, yeah, there's tons of ways that now, not only you're talking about technology, but even just transportation, you know, it used to be, you know, boats or like take months to get where you're going. And now you can get across the world in a few hours or, yeah. you know, handful of hours. And, and I think too, that does, it's helpful, but too, you just, to remember and recognize like even though it's quicker and faster you know we got internet we can see faces from across the world um you know at a touch of a button you know you still have to recognize like the strain of being in a different culture and the culture shock and all that like you still have to work through that and deal with that and i think sometimes it can be a little elusive to or or um you know you might trick yourself thinking, oh, it'll be a little easier, but, you know, at the same time, um, you know, those boat rides were good for processing, getting from one country to the next and what's coming ahead, you know, as opposed to like, well, you snap your fingers and you're there in a few hours. Like, what just happened? I'm in a different world, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden. So Yeah, well, there, and there's expense associated with that. And, right. You know, both time yeah. and, and money. Um, okay. So what would you suggest that, like, let's say somebody's on the church missionary board, Mm -hmm. what would you suggest that people do to help care for their missionaries? Oh, that's a great question. Like I said, I think the starting point is to, to want to do that, to, Mm -hmm. to see the need that there is a need for care. Um, and then I think, you know, you know, the best thing would be like, ask, ask another missionary what would you know mm-hmm. what would make you feel supported 
and then and then go with those ideas. Some ideas that come to my, you know, my mind are, you know, regular communication, whether that means like, you know, handwritten like Christmas cards or care packages. Those are huge. Like, you know, don't underestimate the power of like a box of, you know, golden grams being sent, sure. you know, like across the world. Like, you know, fun things will just <laughs> um, bring them back to, you know, here's a little piece of, you know, quote unquote home or, yeah. you know, we're thinking about you, you know, but also I think the I think so much we just miss prayer, you know, and, and dedicated prayer time, maybe setting aside like this, you know, this certain time each week, we're going to pray for this missionary and really pray for them. Not just like, Oh, help them with that conference. They said mm-hmm. they were going to run or whatever, but like meet their needs, like physically and spiritually and emotionally God. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways, um, if they're coming, coming back here on furlough, like, finding housing for them or helping them get a vehicle or all those practical things that, you know, just might not be on our radar here that, you know, someone coming in, coming back, quote unquote, home, you know, hasn't been here for a few years, just might need help, help with, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to think about all the stuff that, uh, cause what people mean when they say something like I could never do that is I could never just give up everything, right? And move uh-huh. and move across the world. Right. But then, you know, when they come back, there's there are they don't have any of that stuff, right? So you got to yeah. got to step in that gap and help out. Um yeah. and the other thing I heard you say, so I'll say this to our friends here listening, uh go out right now. Girl Scout cookies are being sold everywhere. Go buy a box, send it to your favorite missionary. <laughs> right? Get some thin mints yeah. and send it over there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's it. It'll just brighten their day, really. Right. Then mints yeah. will brighten anybody's day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So yeah, that's yeah. that's a great thing. Well, um, you have written a couple of books about these topics, which I think is really pretty awesome. It's a great way to take uh, all of your experiences and put them in a really tangible, accessible form for others. Yeah. So the first one is missionaries are real people. So we've, I feel like we've talked about that, but what, what, what else would you like to share from missionaries are real people that we haven't covered? Maybe I kind of tackle a broad range of topics in, in that book. Yeah, um, you, you go through everything but, in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, some other ones maybe that we haven't talked about is just, um, just kind of the process of transitioning overseas and how we kind of have to unlearn certain things about what we've, you know, been so used to doing or our thought patterns and, um, what, what are, so, so you mentioned there's a number of things that you have to kind of unlearn because, you know, you might not be comfortable with a, with a culture. You kind of have to embrace the new culture. Yeah. I mean, I think I've seen, you know, so many people that have sort of crashed and burned that aren't, aren't able to let go of their, you know, home culture and entering a new one. And I think it it does, it takes that willingness to just peel away. Okay. This is, you know, what I've grown up in or thought, but let me just experience a different way Mm -hmm. and be okay with that and let that shake me up and, and, you know, recognize that, yeah, there, there there's certain things that are sin issues, but there's certain things that aren't and that it's okay to, uh, and, 
really our ministry is going to be the most effective if we're willing to be in that spot of, all right, teach me because I don't want to come in here saying I know everything and I'm going to teach you. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, and that, that's got to be an, an interesting dynamic to try to try to go in humbly mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just take, take in the gospel. You mentioned that you had yeah. to, you had to adjust a little bit just going from, uh, Bolivia to Nicaragua. Yeah. That was a little well, bit, for sure. even just, you know, two Latin American countries. Right? Yeah. And yeah. And I think cultures are different. Too, like, yeah, definitely. Cause I thought, you know, Oh, I've got this. I've lived in Latin America all my life. Like, but no, there was a lot that was different and I had to kind of, you know, I really had to humble myself and be like, all right, I need to learn and not, you know, think I've got it. And it's just different, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Your other book is called Ending Well. Yeah. Advice for successful reentry after living abroad. Tell us, like, what are the key aspects of saying goodbye and then coming back and getting settled? Yeah, well, I, what we found was actually, um, in our experience at least, um, you know, there's so many varying, you know, reasons why missionaries or expats would return to their home culture. But in our experience, the de- to the degree that we left well, on good terms with people, said our goodbyes well, um, we felt that our entry here um, hmm. went well. And so that's what I would you know, I and I wrote this book um, just wanting to help people um, with some tools of like, you know, practical things. How could they leave well and say goodbye to this chapter in their life and these people, these dear people and places, um, you know, with then that being sort of the, the road to prepare them to enter well, um, having, you know, done all that leaving well, I think it really does, at least in our experience, open that way sort of for a smoother um, entry, you know, and what can be really rocky, um, known many people, and even my own times of transition back, you know, to college or other times where it is really hard, um, because people don't understand, and, you know, it's just, it's, that reverse culture shock, yeah. you know, and, and grieving it really, I think the key thing that happens is that grieving. So I guess what it is, is if you can grieve, sort of grieve well, as you're saying goodbye, that helps. Cause I think that unresolved grief is what really hurts when you, if you've, you know, gotten back here and you haven't processed like all that goodbye, then, you know, really being present in your new normal is extremely hard um, because you're, you know, you're missing what used to be and and maybe even painting sort of um, not realistic pictures of what it was like. Um, (laughs) Right. We all do that. I'd like to think we all do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. I think just, um, you know, having to, having to grieve when you're, you're leaving and, and going, you know, going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something that uh, sparked a, a thought in me that was, uh-huh. yeah. So transitioning back to, like even to college, you know, 
Like, what, yeah. did you have any kind of, so whether it's college or now, like, did you ever, ever have an experience where you just went, like, you just didn't get something that was happening in? Oh, yeah. In, like, in, totally. our, in our, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, would have handled it in two different ways. You know, one way would be ask, uh, what's going on? <laughs> what did they just say? Or I don't get that. And then, um, you know, the other response or, reaction I would do would just be quiet and <laughs> silent and just like figure it out by context, uh-huh. <laughs> which is what I ended up doing a lot more because, um, you know, it's less embarrassing and <laughs> you can kind of, yeah, you can blend in. You look like everyone else. Usually. I mean, I, not in my middle school, high school years, I probably looked strange cause I wasn't up on the current, you know, <laughs> trends mm-hmm. of fashion, but yeah, you just, I think uh, it was uh, the way I coped was just kind of be quiet, figure it out, and go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's great. Ellen, I really appreciate you sharing your story. What, um, yeah. was, what do you think? I know you guys are here uh, going to seminary, which is great. Uh, so what, what do you think God holds for you guys going forward? I mean, not that any of us know for sure, but like, what, what do you, what are you thinking that God's, God's leading guys yeah. to do? Right now? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's the million dollar, million dollar question right now. Yeah. And was- um, especially, yeah, especially now that we're halfway, Luke's halfway through his program. So he's got a year and a half left and, you know, honestly, we just, um, he and I just started about a week ago, just, um, this 40 day prayer challenge and, um, just praying about that specifically and just, you know, hands open God, where do you want us? You know, is it back overseas? Is it here in Colorado? My heart wants to say, please <laughs> keep us in Colorado. I love it here. Yeah. Um, it's you know, beautiful. just, oh, it's, it's gorgeous. I, I, I love the mountains and, and especially the winters where I can occasionally wear flip flops. It's amazing. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Don't um, tell anybody. I'm editing that out. I, We're not telling anybody oh, right. about the nice yeah. weather in winter. Stop coming here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, um, but I think, I know this is going to sound general, but, you know, it's like um, wherever God has us, um, you know, Luke wants to be in some kind of pastoral ministry. And, you know, I love that he, he told me recently, you know, when I was kind of talking about like, well, what specifically you want to do? Or, you know, what do you think you want to do after um, seminary? And, and I love that his answer was, you know what? God's will for me is to be a dedicated husband and father. And, you know, wherever that is going to be, that's where, you know, that's where I'll be. And I love that that was his priority. So, um, yeah, but definitely like we want to be in some kind of ministry. Our heart is still in mission. <laughs> I think it always may be tied to that. Um, so whether we are on the field or able to, you know, help bridge that connect or, you know, connect that bridge between, you know, sending churches and missionaries on the field or, you know, how to, uh, I'd love to, and that's part of the heartbeat of these books is to, you know, provide resources for missionaries. So whether I'm out there or not, um, just giving them a, a way to know that they're heard, they're understood, and you know there's there's practical resources and help for them in their 
you know, um, life. So, yeah. Well, Ellen, I think it's really cool that you were able to take your experiences and speak, uh, you know, just some words of encouragement, um, you know, in both of those books to, to people who desperately need it. Um, I'm sure that it would have been a, you know, they're good manuals for, uh, anybody who's, who's going through those things and, uh, comes from somebody who knows. So also (laughs) on the topic of, uh, of your husband being very supportive, I'll, I just was impressed by his uh, encouragement of you to to write and to continue to to do that. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I you know I'm blessed too. You know he has been behind me a hundred percent, and you know that shows even in you know he um, formatted both of my books you know to be Kindle versions and then also paperback versions as well as designed the covers for both of them. So he's pretty awesome and um, thankful for his support. I wouldn't have been able to to do it without him because I think too, he kind of pushes me to reach those, um, yeah, those um, passions of mine and to actually like go for them. So uh, that's so great. I love that. All right. Yeah. Well, Ellen, thanks so much for sharing some of your story with us and some of your yeah. work. Uh, friends, I will link to Ellen's books, both of them, on the show notes in this page. You can get that at halfwaytherepodcast.com as well as, uh, you know, she has some Facebook pages for those. I'll get those in there so that you guys can find those as well. If you want to connect with Ellen, you can do it that way. So thanks a lot. Um, anything else you want to leave us with? Um, no, I'm just thankful to um, have been on your show and I'm, uh, yeah, grateful to to have done it so thanks yeah I really enjoyed it thanks a lot friends keep the faith